0: Was which guy? The New Deal guy? Was that Roosevelt?
1: Well, there was a few. There was Franklin. There was Teddy. Oh, yeah, we have a (laughs) guest too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't say anything that will get me indicted in a court of law.
1: Promises, promises.
0: Boner joined the military, right? In Growing Pains? He like joined the Marines or something?
1: I thought that was uh, in um, uh, the Wonder Years. His friend joined the military. Oh, Is it Boner? It? Does Boner, know, too?
0: But I remember... Did he I have a hard-on for the military? <laughs> I thought I remember... They go like, oh man, it's like hard losing your friend and it's just like this weird thing. And it was Alan Thick, and he goes, but it looks like there's going to be a boner in the military <laughs> or something like that. Something like and that. I was like, ah, I can't take this seriously. I don't
1: know how. Yeah. Welcome to Tales from the Ditch. Starring Sean Allen Moss.
0: We're here with Tales from the Ditch. And
1: Seth Jacob Wildshoot filling in for NPR reader Bill Foster. <sighs> We're in page 15 of Roosevelt's book. Who cares? Um, talking about polio. Mm. Page 15. Roosevelt, standing awkwardly on one leg, decided that today was a day he should think about the incident happening on the border. With Brighton Diet. No. So we have a guest. It's not Teddy Roosevelt. Spoiler. Uh, Mike Cox. What's your middle name? Lee. Oh, well, there you go. <coughs> Mystery solved. So that's the end of the episode. <laughs> we planned Thanks to do 60 on. minutes trying to guess his name. <laughs> Oh, we were supposed to say we had stuff to win. Shoot.
0: Oh, yeah. We don't know what it's going to be yet, though. Here's the thing. You're doing a giveaway? We're doing a giveaway mm. in honor of you being here. Mm. Something based on mm. this podcast will result in people having the opportunity to win tickets to Striper. That's true. Yeah. Striper, the band. You guys know who that is? I know nope. I know. Nope. It's a Christian band. Mm, called oh. striper <laughs> they're all about so like you, you you had similar like hair bands right like maybe deaf leopard or the yeah, scorpions yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that right they're like that except christian ah and instead of like a scorpion or a rat or something like that they're all about bumblebees pretty striped bumblebees i'm black trying and to blow
1: smoke at the mosquitoes so they get addicted to nicotine and eventually die
0: how's there even mosquitoes in in here right i don't know it's cold. <clears throat>
1: hey mike how you doing now Uh, (laughs) (laughs) mike works at the church um and he has been a big support to me both the church theologically and criminally so Uh,
2: no which was which was more uh which was better for your life
1: well right now i i can't say much because they're sealing my records the da's looking so i prefer not to even speak on that um, um or anything that can be proven or stated in court of law uh well, Of course theologically. I mean, uh Mike has uh I actually have really good discussions with him. He uh good discussions about God, about sovereignty, about grace. Um and I think the thing I appreciate is uh you're very just consistent. You're very like, no, I stick to the core stuff and don't give way like me. I'm very heretical sometimes. So. <laughs> I think I'm just more like, "Oh, eh, well, who's to say on stuff?" and you're like, "God, he's to say. Like, <laughs> no, it's this." So, yeah, uh theological. I've known you since you were 15, 16. Fifteen, I believe. Fifteen. You even know good brother Ryan? Yep. But yep. I saw recently. I don't know, Mike. What are we even doing here? Do you even know
2: the smoke is thick? Oh, sorry. Mm. And uh, I can't see Sean anymore. Well, mm. and I want
1: you to know, I'm not really sorry, but I felt like that's what I'm supposed to say. So
0: sorry for what?
1: Oh, yeah. Good point. Mm.
0: Mm. Uh, Rich, uh, <laughs> Mike, I've known you since, <laughs> since you were. <laughs> Actually, how long have I known you? Uh, uh, probably I know. since you were I thought it was seventeen or eighteen. Forty-one years a month. You were in high school, I believe, senior Near in high me. school when I first. I, I don't remember meeting me you. Pointed. The earliest memory I have of you is you showing
2: up at a mall, <clears throat> and uh, there was some malfeasance
0: for a fracas. There. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I I legally have to state I wasn't there. Fracas that never <laughs> happened. Nothing ever
0: happened there. Yeah, yeah,
1: nothing went down, and it never will. Right, guys, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. It was always, it was always interesting. Um, they were like, Oh, uh, we need to go to the mall. It was kind of like the town when he's like, There's a couple people. I need you to hurt really bad. And you can never ask me why. It was kind of like that. It was like, Hey, we need to go to the mall and do this thing.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking about actually this morning. I was thinking about how strange it it is that we had friends who were just so eager to hurt people.
1: Yeah. That you didn't
2: have to provide an
0: explanation. Yeah. Yeah. You you just called and there they were. Yeah. It was kind of nice. Like, and that's the thing. I mean, (laughs) uh,
1: it was kind of sweet in its own way.
0: I didn't know you well, but I knew that Seth, who made probably wasn't there at the mall that day. I, I don't mm. think he was. Um, mm.
1: Confirm or Seth deny. said
0: that I needed to go, so I did. Mm. You know? Simple as that. Mm. Loyalty.
1: Yeah. There, I, I will just say this. there's There was a quote from a movie. There's nothing like having a bunch of your friends show up with guns. It just There's a, mm. just something about it. Where are you going, Sean? Have you abandoned this podcast? Like you've abandoned reason?
0: You and Seth, yeah. uh, I would say, in your past lives, <clears throat> before you became acquainted with Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. You guys had a rage, I feel like. Like so uh something I would call maybe like a flexing rage or a clenching rage, right?
1: <laughs> Spoiler, still got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it was different because yeah. uh I mean like we around town, you'll hear stories about these episodes that may or may not have occurred, and you'll hear the protagonist is always the person with the that flexing angry rage. Where you know Seth, he'd have a vein in his neck that would pop out, mm. and it Accurate. would be all all crazy bane like. Right, and uh Mike, you would have the dead eyes, and you would just like uh <laughs> be prepared to walk into whatever it is. And I never had. I feel like I never had that. You, uh, you didn't have a marker. I had more of a sad rage.
1: It was when you, <laughs> you know? were drinking mainly.
0: <laughs> like, and so my, I, instead of drinking. flexing muscles, I was just like, I would just be apathetic and just go kind of limp. I would still.
1: I felt like I brought out Luke. anger in you several times. You
0: did. I mean, oh, I would get angry, but like that was the thing. In order to uh, be in like a physical confrontation, I would have to be mad. I couldn't fight somebody that I didn't hate. You know what I mean? I would have to be That's why enraged. you hate everyone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you hate exactly. everyone, you can fight everyone. I know, you that's what I'm saying. I never had that turn it ability. Off. I never yeah.
0: had that ability. Yeah. It's it weird. So – it was interesting though, because, um, even though we were different in that way, we would still be able to get along and like have some type of unity, even though like I, def- it was like what, you know, which of these people at the mall in the parking lot right now is not like the other. And it was always me because <laughs> I was always there, like not squaring off. You know what I mean? I was just in a regular stance, kind of like shaggy on Scooby Doo and I was relaxed and not, uh, see, but not intense. See, but that was your advantage because nobody was, Suspecting
2: yeah. Sean to to come from the corner. Exactly, he
1: shows up in slippers, and uh. <laughs> I know it was crazy. Yeah, because I feel like everyone's been regaled by my stories. <clears> you know, <throat> regaled is that it's the regaled. word? Regaled. You've what is regaled that word? A lot mean, of get down to the brass tacks. <sighs> I've regaled.
0: I am actually curious. I want to know from your perspective when you were. I mean, I. I find myself struggling to remember what it was like when I was making decisions like that. You mean you know like I mean? violent decisions? Violent decisions or just stupid, just terrible, crazy things. decisions. Yeah, yeah. It's um, been like
1: five weeks since he's killed someone. <laughs> because just... my
0: my first response, like I, I was talking about, wasn't violence. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Violence was something that I could eventually like will myself into. Right. My first response was always to like disconnect or, or I don't know, be introspective to some point. And I was always I think, in the moment of like stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody came up to me and said, Hey, we got to roll these dudes or whatever. Right. I would, I, I wouldn't immediately, I mean, everybody would jump up and get in the car and I would get in the car with them. But on the way there. I'd be like, is this who I want to be? Is this like what life is about? Is this like how you are supposed to draw a line in the sand to be able to be a better person or something like that? Like I would always have all these things in my head. Just You you had a conscience. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) What? I didn't have a conscience,
1: Uh, but I was just always
0: like, always... Something made you hesitant at first? Well, I wasn't even hesitant, but I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it for a real reason. Ah, I see. Like reality... like. My whole life, th- th- I don't know how we're talking about me when the subject is Mike right now, but that's right. Um so I always find a way to turn it to me because I'm the most important. Uh. <laughs> so I, this is weird to talk about. I, my entire life, like, was a disappointment. <laughs> I should say all of my fantasies or things that I admired were not based in reality. Yes. Does that make sense? And I think that's true for most yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Like, whenever I'm, like, thinking of some Whenever I'm thinking of being a whole person, the outward things that need to happen in order to make me whole are not real. Not and could attainable. And never, could never be real. And I would know in the moment that that's something that's not real. And so, that's why life was such a disappointment because I'm like, everything... Is never going to be as good as I can imagine, and so how can I take steps to achieve the closest thing? And mm. my th- this was my entire. This is why I was always so easygoing because I found that work. I found that people enjoyed my presence more when I wasn't arguing or angry or throwing fits. When Seth was the opposite, Seth was never easygoing. Seth would always be argumentative and angry. No. Mm. and people and people, people would love always to be around him. People. <laughs> People were drawn to him, right? but people would be so frustrated by him. Yeah. And I, at the same time, would play the opposite, knowing that it's kind of exploiting the situation a little bit, but I would play the opposite. And so, all that to be said, I would spend—I still spend 10 years trying to figure out one day— you know what I mean? There's like something in the past where I'm just still, there's all these things that I still haven't arrived at the truth about. And so I'm always trying to like get on that as quickly as possible so I can make decent decisions before things happen, even as a teenager. And so I remember a lot of situations where it was like, get in the truck and let's go do something violent. And you're thinking about it the whole time there. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking about how this brings value to my own life. Ah. Uh. And nobody else is. And so I was always different in that. So what I, I want to know, because I don't, I still don't understand it. Because Seth, anytime I ask him, he goes, slag off. And he's drunk in his underwear <laughs> and he throws a bottle at me. I and, tell him to get oh, out of the band. <laughs> yeah. What What are you thinking? Or are you thinking at all? In that moment, somebody tells you, you got to go do this thing. You're about to jump in the truck to mm-hmm. do it. What's going through your head? Fear, for sure. That's the first
2: thing is, um, a I- <laughs> a definite underlying fear, like, oh, man, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh But after a while, after doing it a couple of times, you just shut that voice up hmm. and you go for it anyway. Wow. And that actually makes you... That actually hardens you more because you're, well, for me personally, because I knew I had that fear and then I always had to like put up this front, like I wasn't afraid. Then, then, uh, there was like a duality, you know, within me, Mm. like I knew who I actually was, but other people didn't. Mm. And so that just forced me even more to put up more walls, to isolate myself more and to just like take it, always take it to the next level. So I think it was, like, survival, you know? I don't know if it was, like, cognitively, like, oh, I need to think this way or I need to get excited about this. It was just, like, you know what? Life is dangerous. Uh, people are a threat. And so just take out every threat that comes your way and, and be loyal to those who are loyal to you. But don't get close to them. Like, keep them at right, a distance. Right, So that that way you never have friends. Like, you know, I don't, I don't ever remember trusting anybody except for when you know like my brother would have moments where he tried to talk some sense into me or after seth got saved he would try to talk some sense into me but other than that man it's a very like survival mode isolated distrusting reality so i I don't even know if i was like there was no thought process maybe at first but
0: after a while you're kind of just like shut up let's go (laughs) so
1: that loyalty
0: I th- I kind of feel uh, the same about that. The loyalty that I'm showing in that moment was self-serving. Totally. But I did I didn't act like I didn't show that. I acted like I'm just a loyal person and this is what I do. Right. But, you you had to act like you were down for your friends. Exactly. But that in kept reality your around. I'm like weighing those options and saying right. like how right. can being lo- is being loyal right now going to do enough for me or my reputation or whatever.
2: Right. And I think it's, you know, there was a couple of situations, and this this was a grace from God, where, I mean, I'm in situations with cops or whatever, and it's, it's literally brought to my attention very clearly that I'm, I'm looking at some serious prison time <laughs> yeah. if I don't stop. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think for me, like ratting anybody out, that wasn't an option on the table because number one then you're you're pushing away this group of friends, and then you're going into prison as a rat, yeah, and people are going to find out, yeah, so there were a couple <clears throat> of times where you know situations arrived, and God kind of used he used that i didn 't know it was him at the time, but I look back and i 'm like oh man he he was putting the brakes on that I wasn't willing to put on hmm. and you know that's not to say that i don't deserve to be in prison, I, I deserve hell, but for some reason it's because he wanted to i'm not there, yeah i'm not in prison, so yeah
1: I found a connection so um and there's two layers to This. so a lot of this i think if you look at uh we can find connections especially with young men um with mental health if mm. you are depressed and anxious if right. you feel unloved and unwanted if you feel constant anxiety and feel no release from it but then you're introduced to a group that goes okay we'll affirm you we'll love you there might be this i, I don't know just for me like my um non-christian answer to depression was well i need something that'll make me not depressed and it'll be these guys Hmm. affirming me it'll be these guys doing it so i do whatever it takes to get them to affirm me and never really gets rid of the depression because really it's just uh dealing with some of the symptoms it's okay i'm just coding over the depression just uh, little moments where i don't think about or feel but still there and subconsciously i think i'm going no i know i need to be affirmed i know i need to be loved and accepted when you feel complete anxiety um that's why in some Certain situations you snap and are impatient or you're worried or tense or you respond in that way. If you always feel hurt, you'll most likely feel angry. And if you're always in this mode of anger, then if someone touches a nerve or responds, that, that anger is going to be towards them. But never – uh and I'm going to get into a different layer of this later, but you never really – Deal with the heart of it, it's just the symptoms of, okay, I sleep around, that takes away the sadness for a few minutes. I, I get in a fight, that takes away my need for affirmation in a second. I do this, it gets rid of the rage, but never deals with the core of it. And that's why I think, uh, in some degrees, and, and I'll get into the other one later, cause I know someone's gonna ask a question about this. Grace actually speaks to mental health because if you are hurt, you will, hurting, you will hurt people. If you feel hated, you're going to hate people. But if you feel loved and accepted, it is amazing what grace can do that you actually go, I, I don't have to fight and I don't hate them because I feel so loved and I'm not anxious because I feel so secure. I don't need a control because I feel God's in control. And I just wonder how much of this is mental health that they actually have shown studies. A lot of gang members in inner cities are shown to have PTSD. They see someone get shot at six, uh, Sanyika right. Shakur, he wrote the book monster. He was initiated, I think at eight years old in the crypts, he killed two bloods and he was like right. eight or nine. Right. That, that traumatizes you, but it's, it's a response of he's hurting unloved. So he does something to feel loved and not feel hurt, but it coats it for a second, but then leads to greater hurt and greater isolation. And now he hates a whole group and he's hated by a whole group. And then it becomes a cycle. His whole life is fighting to maintain this false status quo that didn't heal him in the first place, but it's all he all knows. Right. And whereas grace comes in there and goes, no, regardless of this, you rest on Jesus's blood. And and if you hide behind that, all these things, no, you are affirmed, you are loved. But I think it's so much easier to pick that up and go back to those places because Jesus, I can't physically see. I'm really resting on love's of his promises. Whereas this, if I walked into a show and punched some guy in the face and broke his nose, I immediately got affirmation. Right. To have tough guys tell me I was tough was just i 'd get this rush immediately and i I wonder how much of these guys, if you look at and you look at their relationships, your relationships and mine, how much was uh depression, anxiety, uh not feeling loved, not feeling accepted, not feeling affirmed, all things that in the gospel we see we really are all those things. Right. And by a father who doesn't ask us to do evil. Right. and doesn't ask us to do things. So I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that, Mike and Sean? Um, we're gonna have a break from our sponsors in 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> Washoe Wieners, you're always a wiener with us, uh, serving fresh hot dogs since never. Go ahead, guys. Sean's <clears throat> pointing at Mike.
2: I, I think, uh, I, I would hesitate to use the label mental illness, but I totally resonate with what you're saying. And I think that, uh, only because like mental illness, that phrase carries with it a lot of <clears throat> connotations that I don't agree yep. with now. Cause I've been through that whole, you know, taking psychiatric meds and stuff for years. Um, but I would say I can remember distinct moments as like a really young teenager, maybe 14, 15, where I saw, I saw dudes just get laid out, just, just beaten. <laughs> And I realized, oh, or I thought, you know, I, I I thought that I had come to this realization that, oh, that's what life is. Life is this dangerous reality where I need to fight for survival. And I need I need to I need to do something to protect myself. But it also connects to another point you were making. If you go further back in my past, I don't think I felt that at home, you know? I didn't feel yeah, yeah. I didn't feel loved, heard, accepted. Um that's not to say that, you know, my house was awful by any means it's just i think that was <clears throat> communicated to me through a couple of different scenarios you know growing up but i i totally resonate with with what you're saying like um and it's all fueled all of that like the, the shame and the fear and everything and, and and needing to feel safe and needing to feel loved it's all that all culminates also in a desire to be in a relationship with people and to be accepted and to be like known. And so when you come into a a, a social group and, and the only way you can form relationships is through violence or things like that. And then of course I think like at at the core of our being, we're going to do whatever we can to maintain those relationships.
1: I I wonder if because of depravity, we all are, all of our men- mentality and, and I want to challenge people maybe step away from the term how they think of it. But if we're depraved, maybe all of our mentalities are ill, are sick. Right. Like if we're all depraved, we all mentally have some state that is sick or unhealthy totally or there's a sickness. But the other layer I wanted to bring up is uh even when you get into like bipolar schizophrenia, even if uh there is a biological component, and I know some people debate this and think about this, even if you do that where you know there is a chemical issue, that person still in that process um wants to know even in that illness, even in that maybe defect they feel of oh there's something mentally wrong. Well, to be affirmed and loved and right. cared for. And wh- what were you going to say though? Cause you said something changed in your mind and mental. I know there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole level to this. Cause you get in the stuff of bipolar, schizophrenic. So what do you think, what kind of changed on your mind? Cause I know you uh, dealt with medication for, was it, do you mind me saying what was no, it no. for? Yeah. Well, it was for bipolar. Right. And, okay. So and, what changed?
2: <clears throat> and depression and stuff. Uh. Well, first I was going to say, I think there's an underlying assumption when, when somebody comes into like a, a, a psychiatrist or psychologist's office and they're not doing well, the assumption is there's something wrong with that. There's something yeah. wrong with you not doing well. When I think actually, in in the, from a biblical worldview, of course things aren't going well, and of course people are struggling, and of course they're sad, and of course they're angry. That makes a lot of sense, and. So, I don't agree with that underlying assumption that we should be happy and that everything should be okay. Right. And I think that is the assumption a lot of the time. But what changed for me is, uh, it's not that I deny that there is uh, a biological component sometimes. I think there, there is. Um, and, and it would be, I think it would be foolish of me to say, like, I experienced quote unquote bipolar and depression and now I'm totally fine. That's, you know, I think that's an erroneous way to think about things because that's using my experience. It's your story. Yeah. Right. And, and kind of just like plastering it across everybody. <clears throat> when it, I, I think what changed for me in how I view mental illness and things like that is uh, a lot of the problems that I was told that I had turned out to actually be not just specific to me, but these are human
0: problems. Right. Uh, yeah
2: things like struggling against hopelessness um struggling with despair struggling with um i don't know anger those are those are common to everybody and i think it's foolish to say that you you shouldn't be that way but on the flip side i also know that uh there are some people who have genuine experiences of like let's let's use bipolar for example they have genuine experiences of really low depression and then really high seasons of mania Totally. And uh, I don't doubt that. And and uh I think it would be foolish for us as Christians to try to make some sort of pronouncement on a
0: global scale and say mental mental illness doesn't exist.
1: Just gospel. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, that's one thing that I have to say. I have so many things to say right now. <laughs> First of all, what I was bringing up about how I'm so different than you guys, but still found myself in the same situations. That's it, you made the point. I was trying to poorly what you made it. Well, I made it poorly. Was that I'm experiencing these things, too, just in a different way. Totally. It's a human thing. It's not, like, a specific mindset. Right. And even furthermore, like, Seth brought up gangs uh, and how, like, you want that affirmation. And right. you want to hate another people, I guess tribalism may be a good word to explain it, but I hate that it's such a popular word now, so I don't want to use it, but I guess that kind of defines it well. but
1: you're so anti-. do you think it's
0: any do you think it's any coincidence that, that a Democrat and a Republican had the exact same colors and honestly, with the exception <laughs> of bats and guns, the exact same uh, verbal discourse with each other about stuff. It's a human thing. It spans everybody, right. even like the suburban mom. Right. Who's ultra just ultra democrat. Yeah, exactly. And through your experience, I believe, the fact like you said, that grace um changes that, <laughs> I think is is spot on. But the danger, like Seth said, people saying just gospel it. Um, I feel like in my situation when I came to Christ, it was because people gave me a lot of promises right about Christianity that weren't true. They just weren't true. So so like people would say, Hey, all of your apathy, all of your hate, all of your fear, all of your rage, that's all gonna go away. Right. That's all satisfied with And, and you don't find
2: that in Scripture. Yeah. So absolutely. I don't know where that came from.
0: And you don't find that in
1: half the in prophets ask God to kill them. Right. <laughs> like like, like exactly. here's
0: here's Elijah begging God to murder him. So in a you camp. said, Seth, like that you're resting in the power of the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. in the promises that You are a loved child and you have a good father. You're resting in that promise, but you're not necessarily feeling that in the moment. But that false gospel was what I was told. And and actually, I got saved Mm. into that false gospel. And Mm. I feel like had some kind of
1: false gospel of they'll all go away or false gospel of resting in the
0: false gospel that and it was half of it was me misunderstanding and half of it was me being told the wrong things. And this is why I dig so hard into like people like Furtick or, or Falwell or whoever else that provide this false gospel because I think it's so damaging because the power of Christ has, has saved me and kept me. Mm. Right. And nothing could take me from his hands. Right. But I feel like it was quite a battle with this, what people call organized religion or with what I would call people who are preaching a false gospel. It was quite a (laughs) battle to separate myself from what they told me were true and understand the real truth, the scriptural right. truth, the truth that is given by God. Because I was told the wrong thing. So, I got to this point where I'm like, okay, I'm a Christian now. I'm waiting for this satisfaction that I was told I would have this ultimate satisfaction that and solves all felt my problems. Like crap. And yeah, I was still dealing with the same yeah. problems. Well, I think on both there's there's a there's a ditch on both
2: sides. So, if you if you just attribute everything to biology and chemicals in the brain uh then you are not taking into account what we are what we're discussing when we when we talk about this is a a universally human phenomena Mm -hmm. you know like depression anger things like that that it's universal because sin is universal Mm -hmm. so when you get out down to the base bottom root sin is to blame and i'm not i'm not saying that the answer to that is this spiritual awakening because we have bodies yes so on one side you can't just say it's only biology and it's only brain chemicals and this this uh medication will heal that and help that it certainly i think in some situations can but on the flip side if you just present somebody like come to christ and everything is better i just don't see that in the bible and it doesn't take. And into that's okay.
1: the false gospel of just. Just to be clear, so the false gospel is become a Christian, everything will just go away. Right. Okay. Which just is to be
2: clear. which is totally contrary oh, to false gospel. Not there's
1: many. no. It's the <laughs> that's. I it. mean, you well, heard first
2: the very first call from Jesus is to take up your cross every day. Yes. An yes. instrument yeah. of death. It's not going to be a pleasant experience all the time. But you, like Seth is talking about, you can have. You can hold on to. By faith and by the power of the spirit, you can hold on to the hope that this this isn't all there all there is. Right. And there's something else coming. Right. And that includes a new body. So right now we have bodies that are corrupt. Like our brains absolutely I think you were spot on, Seth, when you said that all of our faculties, all, all of the things that make a human a human are broken. Yeah. And you're not gonna get that full, complete healing here and now. It's just not yeah. gonna happen. Including so means, our
0: biology and potentially chemical exactly, imbalance in the brain. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So if you deny it, if you deny that we are body and soul as <clears> one <throat> unified, complete being, then you're gonna fall into one of those ditches. You're either gonna be over spiritualize it or You're
0: going to think it's just biology. There's even like, I know that the ditch has two sides and I'm ruining the analogy right now. (laughs) And I don't mean to do that, but maybe there's a, a aqueduct that goes over the ditch. I don't know. But there's this third thing that I've seen happen lately. That's, that's a pretty new, well... Relatively new movement, I guess. And it's like um, people would say people have been on both sides. First, they had a mental illness or what was described as a mental illness. Then they were promised these things from Christianity. And then they had this period of what I believe everybody's referring to as deconstruction. And I've heard it so many times on, it's another word that it's being overused and it's frustrating to me. You know what I mean? But it's like the Mike Gunger and all those folks who just like have said, oh, we've, we've gone through all of this and now we've really figured out the truth. We've distilled everything and taken out all these impurities and now we found the truth and the truth is kind of this, um, what's the guy? What's that guy? The... Velvet Jesus, Love Wins, guy. What's his name? I can't Rob remember Bell. his name. Rob Bell. Yeah, it's kind of like in that camp. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and it's I like have a heretic this, rolodex in my pocket. <laughs> it's <laughs> like there's this there's this period of deconstruction, and then once you've gone through this deconstruction, finally you're on this right path. And it's like I don't want that either. I don't want deconstruction. I want reconstruction. Like right. I want to be I. Still have the same desires that I did when I was two years old. I want to be like a whole person. Right. I want to be fixed. I want to stop having all of these mental illnesses or physical illnesses or whatever. (laughs) I want better. And I've always known this is inherent to me. I've always known that there is, there has, like I was created and designed for something better. And I'm always looking for it. And yeah, scripturally, I do see where I am made better. Hmm. but that's the frustrating thing. We talked about time travel a little bit last week on the podcast, but it's like, it's that already, but not yet. Yeah. It's, uh, been declared, but not been executed yet or however it works or your eschatology may play into it. But either way, like finally knowing the truth has been, um, cathartic for me. Totally. You know? And like, being told lies, even lies in the realm of Christian thinking has been absolutely uh detrimental to like my, my mind and my soul, you know? And yeah. it's so frustrating. And anyways, that's why I don't like, uh, Joel Osteen.
1: Uh, I, Good reason. I, so I, I think this gets in that whole, the duty of the whole, um, <laughs> um, I think this falls into, though, we kind of think it's either or instead of both. And like, what if you have someone who has a biological component that's really there? Uh, fine. That doesn't mean there's not metaphysical concepts underlying. Totally. That. So you can go.
2: They're both. There's both.
1: Yeah. Like you can say, hey, and, and let it treat what's mo- meant to treat. Biological is not going to he- heal a spiritual mm-hmm. issue. So say like this, you have a guy who has a mental problem and they say, we can prove you need this medication. And you know what it'll do? It'll treat the physical it's a physical response and maybe help with some of that it doesn't mean beneath that there's not also things of within this illness i'm feeling isolation i'm feeling sadness yeah. i'm feeling longing i'm feeling wanting and we can do both that's why i think when you counsel p- people you need to say you know you might say you have a problem with sleeping you might need help with sleeping yes but within that sleep you might have issues though of depression too or things that were contributing to that biological of say like Say you already had something that physically made it hard to sleep, but then also within that you have anxiety or sadness or lack of love, and that compounds and makes it even worse. So let them do what they're supposed to do. If I don't expect when they stitch me up when I have a cut for that to heal my feeling of being unloved, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's not still there. I think of the guys who are lepers, they physically had something that needed to be healed, physically yes. healed. But from being a leper, they also need to be healed of, hey, they were outcasts, they right, were left right. on the street, they were ignored. So I have no problem if a guy says, Hey, my doctor says um I need this because there is something in my brain, maybe uh from fetal alcohol syndrome. Right. There's something going on. Okay. That doesn't mean that A, there's not spiritual things compounding it, making it worse, or B, that after they start treating that, you go home and go, Well, physically I'm a little better in this one area, but I'm still feeling these things that the doctor and I get, he's not a Christian in maybe in this scenario that he's saying, well, you're supposed to feel completely by her. No, maybe it treats a physical, uh, you know, element that was there, but overlooking that within that, um, there was also some spiritual elements that they missed. Right. And you know not I don't blame him. He's a doctor, not a pastor. Right. He's seeing only the biological going, okay, we'll treat it. And maybe it's not that these medicines aren't working. Maybe it's just, well, they treated what they could. Yes. It was meant it treated to the extent it could, the physical aspect, but There was more than physical going on. So that's why you meet someone and go, fine, take the pills if you need to, but also deal with the wounds from your father. Also deal with the love you need from Jesus. Also deal with the healing you need from being victimized or hurt. And it can be both. And I have no problem with a Christian saying I take pills for sleep, but I also pray about the anxiety I have on those sleepless nights and the emptiness I feel because it's biological yeah. is not going to necessarily treat spiritual. Now they can work together. The biologic, if you're struggling spiritually, biological may make it um harder or more apt to give up or feel, Oh, I don't even want to try. Like if you have cancer, it's going to affect your energy. It's going to affect, right. I don't want to get up and pray. That, so they can kind of play into each other. But I exactly. think there's some overlap of let's deal with the spiritual and physical instead of saying, why isn't the physical healing the spiritual? And why isn't the spiritual healing my broken arm? It's like, you can have, I think, some overlap. Is that making sense? Like just some overlap. Yeah, totally. That we are multifaceted people with many layers. It's,
2: I, I would, I would, I would push it even further and say there is always the both, the both combining. Uh So there's, it's always a case of both physical and spiritual Mm because that's what we can't divide the two. And so like, you know, Galatians five talks about the fruit of the spirit, uh, you know, if if you think that you can have uh, patience with people and not sleep for five days straight and still be patient, you're an idiot. You're not. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, but yeah. you're not thinking things through. You're, you're spiritualizing what scripture says. Like maybe one of the ways that God develops and grows patience in his kids is by helping them sleep.
0: <laughs> so yeah, totally. We,
2: we always try to like divide things up. And I don't think
0: that's what the the biblical authors were trying to do at all. Absolutely, no. and God is sovereign over science. Exactly, like He created it's a your common body, grace. like the way memories are formed, and right. your yeah. and your body repairs during sleep. Like right. God created it that way.
2: Right. I don't think. I don't think that. The, the church of Jesus Christ needs to make these sweeping declarations on things like this. This yeah. is a case by case basis. Absolutely. It's not sinful for me to pursue healing through the common grace of a well educated psychiatrist. No. It's, You're being glib right now.
0: No, I'm, I'm, being, de- <laughs> I'm being dead that, serious. No, I, that's a, that's a Scientology joke. Well, you know what
1: the funny thing is? It doesn't, uh, Jesus shows this in the garden of Gethsemane is, he, uh, you can't say he didn't have correct theology. You can't say he didn't <laughs> trust in God. And yet he was sweating blood. Right. Because he still have physical element of, hey, I still am a f- in a physical body and thinking of what's going to happen yeah. is literally tearing my body apart i'm bleeding so i think there's a component of there's nothing wrong with meeting with someone uh, and i do it sometimes um when we counsel people i will ask them uh piper does this are you sleeping what's uh your diet look like do you have any injuries are you going to (laughs) do Do you, if you say, oh, I have constant back pain, it's excruciating. I go, okay, that doesn't mean I can't also say um, when you're hopeless, who are you going to? Mm-hmm. And are you going to pain pills to take it away? And are you dealing with the sadness mm-hmm. that comes from that back pain? Are you dealing with the frustration? Are you praying in the spirit of God help me when I am weak? Right. Because yeah, these things are going to overlap of, um, in a marriage, you can say, I love you all the time. But if you never have physical intimacy, you can say, well, we had the correct doctrine and we prayed. Yeah. But there's also a physical intimacy mm. that transitions into spiritual. You have sex, you have the orgasm, which is amazing. You have that. That's the physical, but it also translates. Is that what the penis and the vagina <laughs> the penis? Is that what the sex is? The, the thing show Baraka wasn't allowed to say at certain stores. Um, <laughs> But it transitions then into a spiritual, of think, if you know the spiritual realities of the covenant Mm -hmm. and God's love and you both feel affirmed in that and then affirm each other in this closeness, you have the physical connecting with the spiritual and they actually complement each other and become greater. Where the physical is greater and your appreciation of spiritual can even be in a sense of, ah, this is, you know, what a beautiful covenant God's let me be with my wife and one day, the affirmation I feel in this in a different way, I'll feel with God, where I'll feel complete acceptance, complete euphoria, non-sexual way, but still this physical pleasure, but coming from a spiritual completion and a physical restoration in the new heaven, new earth. And I think, cause sex isn't just for sex and, and prayer isn't, think of it, when we pray, we're not praying saying just in some metaphysical way, do something that has no effect on me. We go, provide, please help with the house, please heal this person. Please speak to this person. We're praying for the intervention of the f- spiritual into the physical. Right. For God specifically to intervene for the author, come on the stage and say, no, I- I'm coming into the play and changing it. I'm restoring. I'm, I'm directing. I mean. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You hear me, dog?
0: I hear what you're saying. I feel like to Glib. some degree, people will kind of like you're saying, um like you said, Mike, the church making or. I guess any group making sweeping generalizations Mormons.
1: It's always the Mormons.
0: Seth, (laughs) you were saying like focusing on certain things and making sure that they are correct. Um, that is like a pretty good definition for idolatry. Hmm. So like if somebody, if somebody says, Hey, um, like in your example, like my marriage is good. We read the Bible. We have dinner. The kids don't laugh during prayer or whatever, like things like that. Um, but haven't entered into that covenant type of relationship. And Completely missing the heart of the matter for the technicality of the matter. That's, that's idolatry as much as like creating an idol and, and bowing down to it. Mm. And I think the major problem is, is that is very synonymous with the way we treat things in uh, American evangelical society. When somebody dies, you have a memorial for them, right? And you memorialize them. And it's super important that the memorial goes well. And that all and of nothing the things, bad is said about them. Nothing bad is said about them. And and like all of the items that are collected to memorialize them are perfect. Like it can't be, it can't have any type of flaw or anything like that. Like that's very similar to the idolatry of the 15th century in the Catholic church, where like the way you had to approach a saint had to be perfect. Right, And it's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, that's I, I think the stupidest it... thing I've ever, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. And I think, it, I
2: think, you know, it, there's I, at the center of this, maybe not for everybody, but there's this core um, un-Christian idea or belief that weakness, frailty, are bad things. Mm. But think about it. You know, God created the world and He made us dependent creatures, yep. and our dependency is not a bad thing because God declared it to be very good. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain element of our 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 lack of perfection is a good thing because it, it, it reminds us in a very tangible and real way that we are not God. And, uh, when, when you have something like a a funeral where everything has to be perfect and only nice things can be said, that's, uh, I think, you know, at the core of that, it just comes from this broken, false view of ourselves and, and it's a, like a pretty low view of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like I don't have to be utterly perfect. And not, not only that, but I can't be. God has to do that in me. Mm. God has to remake me. God has, God has to do it. <laughs> it's not up to me. And uh so if we, if we approach life, we approach mental health if we approach these things with the idea that it, it it cannot go wrong and i have to be happy and things have to be complete mm. like that's uh that's bullcrap yeah. it's just not true
1: such language michael no it uh i what about this i mean if there is a funeral and someone says well I assent to the fact that my father was saved and he loved Jesus saying he's in heaven. My first question would be, well, did you weep? Well, no. I No. Did you physically let your body express that too? Your body, when you cry, there is a physical response of no. Like you're letting that spiritual reality and even this present reality. And because it's a, here's the thing. You're seeing a physical body in a casket. Yeah. Your body has a response. I think it's because we know. From being designed for what we're designed for, we look and go, This isn't how it should ultimately be. We shouldn't ultimately look right. and go, Good, I'm glad things decay. I'm glad things no. It's uh, <laughs> i right. you need to be able to weep. And I look at Jesus, I bring this up all the time. Lazarus. He knew
0: right.
1: he could bring him back, he knew everything you know he could do, or that God the Father um you know has the power to or by his spirit, you know, he could do or as Jesus, you know, all God and all man could do or call upon, and yet he still wept. So he still allowed himself to have a physical response, but then also give a response of heaven breaking in of calling him to life and restoring him. And it's like, it's never seen as sinful. And, and part of this gets into emotions where we go, well, the heart is deceitful, blah, 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 blah. Okay. First off context, there's always context versus secondly, you're, ignoring the fact that your logic is just as affected by the fall as anything else. So logic isn't perfect. Emotions aren't perfect, but it doesn't mean we throw them out. My emotion should be a thermostat maybe, but not the steering wheel. And the same thing with logic. It is a tool God has given me. It should not be everything's based on my logic Because now I'm making my logic God where that's a standard and people go, well, people get all emotional and do us fine. Then you don't do that just because something's been abused. I can do that with anything. Don't throw it out. Calvinism's been abused. Don't throw it out. Well, I've seen people abuse this with authority, but we don't throw out authority. So I think we need to once again, look at the person and the complete person and say, okay, they're a physical person. They're a spiritual person. They're maybe someone's son. They're the son of God. Their main is image. They might have ailments. They might have wounds. They might have um, times where they were disappointed, times where they had victory. And see this complete story where when Jesus talks to a woman in the well, he doesn't just go, listen, John Knox said, <laughs> no, you look, he goes. <laughs> oh, so, uh, you know, is that your husband or is that, you know, what are you doing with this? And he goes, and do you want eternal you know, water? And just, he listens to her story and meets the complete person. Even when he talks to Peter, he doesn't say, Peter, recite that Nicene Creed. He says, do you love me? And uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was once he says unconditional and then twice he says friendship. So it's, I think, agape and then phileo twice. But he goes to Peter and goes, no, I'm, he's speaking to the person in this relational way. But there's a spiritual reality behind it. I just, you know, I think we don't need to throw them out, but, or make them enemies. I don't think they're enemies, but. Right. Yeah. So, I think we just solved everything.
0: I have a follow up to this, but uh, first I wanted to ask Mike, Michael, uh, what, what is, this is for striper tickets, what is your favorite hockey
1: <laughs> firm? Getting all European on <laughs> I don't know.
0: Uh, the Boston Bruins.
1: Why? Cause they're violent. <sighs> yeah yeah it's okay <laughs> yeah so should we
0: uh because boston uh there's something special about boston i right? hate new york they're pretty wicked bad right well, uh, say how do you
1: math you <laughs> yeah. said my m-a-h-r is my i never said you could park the car
0: in yeah, the like, pilot oh,
1: yeah. of... how about braxton how about, the... how about how about
0: braxton how yeah. about those skeezy braxton yeah how about,
1: yeah. Uh, how about <laughs> the boston Bruins?
0: okay Boston so, brooms. I think that'll be a good striper giveaway. Uh, my follow up is I'm curious, uh, what your guys' perspective is. Not necessarily mental illness, but maybe just like psychological issues or even just emotional issues. Uh, what role does demonic activity?
1: Ah, good question. Uh,
0: play into that, if any. <laughs> Before a Christian, once you become a Christian, How's that work?
1: I wonder how many school shooters we should see if they were possessed. I just said that. <coughs> <All right>.
0: Well, <laughs> hmm. what
2: what role is do, does does it maybe contribute
1: any. to illness? Does it not at all? Is it sometimes maybe something that compounds it? Because it, we do see in the Bible, there's people, I think, yeah. who were physically crippled just because we live in a fallen world. And then, and there, then was, there was
2: demon possessed. Yeah, people. there was
1: others where it was uh there was a physical component showing a physical manifestation. Yeah. What do you think, Mike?
2: Well, uh, I uh, there's a there's a story in Mark five the the, the, the I think he's called the demoniac. <laughs> Poor guy. <I> so
0: <laughs> he's known forever. My name was <laughs> Doug, but they started <laughs> calling me demoniac,
1: and I just thought that was tight. So I was like, <laughs> all right, okay. so. This dude's up,
2: like, living in, uh, in a the mountains. Yeah, in the graveyard. And he's, like, cutting himself with, with rocks, it says. And then he sees Jesus and, you know, Jesus does what he does. But, uh, so when I think, you, when you get people into these really dark seasons of life that can last months or years, I totally think <laughs> Satan plays on that. I think Satan can afflict believers,
0: certainly unbelievers Hmm. um the
1: (laughs) easy there sam (laughs) stories.
0: i (laughs) even though he's even though he's bound and powerless
1: don't oh sorry 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 no 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 we are not getting a post if if
0: If you want to go down that different conversation road we can go down that road
1: so mike as jesus is reigning what would be your answer to that question
0: (laughs) so say say (laughs) somebody uh like the classic example that I feel like uh you know a believing mom is gonna use for her daughter, who's all of a sudden you know painting her fingernails black mm. and L- listening to Rob Zombie, listening to Rob Zombie and dating a guy with a motorcycle Oof. who's a different ethnicity, and, oh my goodness <laughs> and maybe she's uh maybe the daughter is like a uh, voting
1: Democrat I've been
0: very depressed oh. lately. <laughs>
1: She voted for Jill Stein.
0: But the mom remembers uh, one time many years ago when that daughter played with a Ouija board. Now, it looks like a game from Milton Bradley, but if you didn't know, it's actually a portal for demons. Huh. Or not even that. Even a better example. What if that What if that daughter went to a psychic and got a reading from a psychic or a tarot card? Reading Isn't
1: that such a nerd like name? My name is Milton Bradley. Milton. <laughs>
0: I know. Is that, that will two people's smash names? You. Is that a last it's name? It's
1: two first names.
0: I think that guy, one oh, of those Dan guys, and Anthony
1: Bradley, but I like Anthony oh, Bradley. I like am I'm sorry, man. No, I would never say anything. Well, I like him. I'm biased. So I would. Milton's <laughs> a man.
0: So, because I I have a lot of these situations where people come up to me and they say, "Hey, I want you to pray for this person. They're clearly possessed by a demon. They've had suicidal thoughts, and it's because of this situation (laughs) that they put themselves in when they were eight. Oh, my goodness. You don't believe there's any possibility that they allowed a demonic activity in their life, (laughs) and there's a stronghold?
1: Checkmate, atheists. (laughs) I can answer if you don't want it. It's fine. I'm already ordained. Mike is flabbergasted right now.
2: Of course demons play a role. I'm not saying in every situation, but yeah. Duh. But demons are just as real as we are. And they're just as active as we are. But I don't know. Satan's goal is, yeah, I think he loves to like torment people, but man, it's to drive them away from Christ. And, uh, one of the clearest ways he does that is enticing people to sin. So I don't know. My, my answer would be all over the place. But of course (laughs) there's, of course there's situations where demons are doing some stuff and, (laughs) Do you know how insane this conversation sounds to people? Who are, I don't know why. Uh,
1: I don't care. I don't give a flute. So I, I mean, do you want listen? I'm already commissioned as an elder. They get what they pay for. That's listen, true. So I think once again, and this is the kryptonite of the American church. Nuance. There's um, A
2: lot of kryptonite
1: is <laughs> um, you may have some instances where we think it's demonic, and it's not at all. Right. You may have some instances where it's oppression, but not possession. Like they're attacking and doing things, but not possessed. And then there may be some extreme things. And, uh, Pastor George has seen this a little bit who was trying to get on the show. Um, and, uh, uh where it was George. straight up possession. And I think if you look at Jesus, how many people did he heal and they weren't possessed? You know, right. versus there, there was both. The, there was stories of it. But so I think, and you know what? If they're possessed, I think if you spend enough time talking to people, it usually becomes apparent because of the stories I've heard and experiences I've had. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just, and here's the thing you could do dumb things as a kid that spiritually, maybe you have some, um, I would say baggage or bondage or maybe strongholds that need to be prayed about things that have affected you, but possession, I don't think we should be quick to go to it's possible, but you need to make sure. And I would say that's why you listen, you pray, you test the spirit, you talk to the person and not go by indicators because you could say, well, they're doing this, this, and this. Well, maybe there's a dick. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're just weird. Or maybe they're just rebelling. Or you see some stuff that's just minor stuff and it's off, and then you talk to them, and go, Oh, there's something spiritual going on. So once again, I think it's there's some stuff we can do broad strokes with, like, um, was the way of salvation Jesus was a chief end of man to worship him and enjoy him forever and give him glory. Was but there's some other stuff of like, is this person making the right decision buying this house? Well, that you need to think about, pray through, talk, ask questions, same thing. And now if someone comes in acting just nuts where you see there's supernatural things going on, you might go, oh, okay, but I think we need to be careful not to have a checklist of, well, they right. voted for Al Gore. Because... They did this. They, they watched an inconvenient truth and thought it was interesting and well made. And like, because you know, there's, I don't know, because so. he's
2: much, demons are much more subtle than, you know, <laughs> Most of that is fed by cultural garbage, but man, Satan's much more subtle than that. And
1: he's not stupid either. He's been right. doing this for, I mean, the planets existed, what, three billion years? So he's been doing this. Six thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Do you know I mean, the Bible? All
1: six thousand years of the garden, he was doing now.
0: <laughs> Doesn't it say in the Bible, the best trick the devil ever pulled was making the world? That is. To- that's
1: in, uh, that's in second robes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me clarify this question. Do you think there's, more a, ambiguous. there's some people more out ambiguous. there who can be like the demoniac and experience a demonic situation and neither biological, medical stuff or emotional, uh, needs being met will work until the demon yes. is cast out? Yes. You do think that? Yes. Now, do you think that the, um, oh, what, what do you think, Seth? Yes, from you two? He nodded his head. Yes. Okay. Do you think, uh, that the church, regards that with as much seriousness as it should no
1: i think we need to get on our pope hats and hit people with some holy water and just spray them <laughs> and th- no i think um there are because i've seen this in other countries too there are some people like no you're gonna need to um really jesus himself says this yeah, yeah.
2: like this kind can only come out by um, prayer prayer yeah
1: I, I think Satan just attacks us in America differently. And in our arrogance, yeah, we know, I agree. since we don't see it a ton here, it doesn't exist. No, I think Satan goes, well, they are a sensational extreme culture. If they saw this, it might make them believe God exists and stay. goes, fine. I'll make them fat, make them sin luxury. And by fat, I don't just mean Sean. I mean like, I mean like, you know, luxury, just um gluttony and slot, just in comfort. The We're, fat of the land. Well, yeah, fat of the land. And it says the fat belongs to the Lord. I just want to point that out. But, Chris Um, Farley. It just. That's why we know where he is. Us, I think it's more subtle where he goes, I'll slowly lead them down the road of hell where in their comfort, they're sipping wine by the fire while the house burns down. Whereas other countries, he goes, no, I'm going to scare them. Like, especially a fear culture. He goes, no, I'm going to possess them. I'm going to threaten them. I'm going to do this. America, I think we'd sensationalize it and maybe believe in God more. So I think he attacks us. Here's the thing. He knows where to attack us. He's not stupid. He, he's going to go, oh, Peter. Well, I could say, hey, Peter, do you want to betray your friend and ruin your life forever? And stay? he goes, they're going to find out you were with them. They're going to kill you. They might injure you. No one will know. It's Think of it, you're kinda justified. What if he's not the son of God? what does he do? Yeah. He betrays him three times and then goes, Oh my gosh, what have he, what have I done? and runs away weeping, and, and he knew where to hit him.
0: Even so. when you bring up Peter, it reminds me of like when Jesus is like, Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Because he said, Nobody will ever uh get their hands on you, or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's the subtlety. The, yeah, the subtleness is not saying, Hey, uh, disbelieve the testimony of your Lord. It's saying, hey, it's like come up with a different be agenda and, yeah. and and align yourself with that agenda
2: defend and pledge your f- allegiance
1: to yeah. that agenda yeah <laughs> <laughs> defend pledge your friend allegiance. peter peter you can't let him die defend your friend you're sticking up for him you we're supposed to have victory and he goes yeah and then he speaks and jesus is like get behind me saying and he's like why did i say that and just he uh, yeah he, so he doesn't good. he doesn't need to possess us cuz he's given us porn he doesn't he doesn't need to come on man
2: why you gotta do that he doesn't need
1: he doesn't need to kill us because we're doing it ourselves and he doesn't need to divide us because we already hate each other based on politics he goes there we're doing the work it's 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 like saying why aren't you stabbing them they're slaying their own wrists Hmm. he we're already killing ourselves evangelicalism has had gun in its mouth the past 40 years it's just slowly pulling the trigger what does that gun look like um it's red wine blue and and has false promises inside mm. um, but uh, yeah I think
0: let, I've seen that gun
1: yeah, I, I, I own it just because I don't want our kids knocking on the door being ridiculous what do you want to close with last discussion or last question Sean
0: I was just curious um, what do you think about kids saying the Pledge of Allegiance in oh, school
1: for the love of, that's not a short one dang it <laughs> what, Sean what
0: you asked it? me last discussion it is 8 o'clock mm. <sighs> listen you got time <clears throat> for this yeah so <laughs>
1: here we
0: go <laughs> you got
2: time for fake mustaches <laughs> uh, all right we're 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 going through the sermon in the mount at our church and i think this is the perfect uh place in the bible to go when discussing pledging allegiance to someone or something and jesus is pretty clear that from our hearts he demands total and full complete Devotion and allegiance. And there is no ifs, ands, or buts. And he calls out the, the, his, his listeners. <laughs> he calls them out and says, don't be like the hypocrites. And then you ask the question, well, who are the hypocrites and what are they doing? Well, they are the ones who are devoted to something else in their heart. They give lip service to God by praying and fasting for everybody else to see. But in their heart, they're, they have an allegiance to something else. And it's not God. It's not the God of the Bible. <clears throat> so. I think the same thing here. You you can't have two allegiance. You really can't. And uh, I I'm, I'm not one that's given over to nuance very often, so I understand why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might I could be wrong in this, but when you are pledging allegiance to a country and all that it represents and all that it does, and you're pledging yourself to align with its goals and its ends, uh, when in reality this country is probably. It's, Look at world history. Countries don't last that long. Mm -hmm. Nations aren't around that long. Mm -hmm. They come and they go. Uh, I'm not going to pledge allegiance to anything other than Jesus. And so I'm going to teach my kids that. And I would base that on things like the Sermon on the Mount and in the book of James where it says, you know, James condemns a divided heart, a double mind. You can't have full devotion to this thing and then full devotion to jesus uh you have to give up one of and uh so i'm not saying that we do that perfectly as christians of course we don't we have allegiances all over the place and that's called idolatry and god's solution to that is not that we sit there and cherish it and hold on to it or even try to nuance it it's to destroy it it's to get rid of it Mm. it's to repent from it so i mean i i sat my son down when he was in public school and I said I I don't want you saying the pledge of allegiance if your teacher asks you to uh and here's why and explain to him what I just said in in much less <laughs> critical terms <laughs> but <clears throat> that's my answer fascinating
0: <laughs> Seth
1: all right so I have no problem with a cop um saying I will swear to do my duties as long as he's um and I'm talking about a Christian cop in his heart, in his convictions, knowing like I'm I'm promising to be faithful to the job I'm taking up. I'm fine with that. Um the idea of taking a young kid who doesn't even understand the complexities, doesn't even understand fully where they are, and saying, put your hand on your heart, which represents your life and swear allegiance. Um, I have major issues with it because Matthew Bates just talked about this in his new book. One of the ways you translate faith in some instances is allegiance. And the idea of saying, I swear to an earthly nation, my loyalty to its, you know, what it stands for, what it is to defend it, to fight for. Here's the thing. I would defend if people came in and invaded, but not because of that allegiance. I would do it because my neighbors are made in the Mago day. Someone is imposing evil, and they've given me no other option than to defend. I think self-defense is biblical. I think fighting sometimes is biblical. Yep. And I would do it out of that versus I just don't see in the New Testament or the early church um, this idea of you have to pledge loyalty to an uh, earthly nation, especially this. Because we'd be making a law, and most would agree with this. Or, or a belief or statement or a command to Christians that isn't universal. And we don't make commands that aren't universal. Like if you command one Christian, it has to be all of them. Cause most of I said, fine, you have to pledge allegiance to North Korea. And they go, well, they're bad though. I go, okay, so you're saying one Christian has to follow the command, but others can't. And how bad does a nation have to be that you don't pledge allegiance? Where do you draw the line? Is it, um, It might
2: be millions of babies being killed. Yeah, is
1: it 50 million babies being killed? Is it the internment of Japanese people? Is it the slaughter of Native Americans? Is it the opioid abuse? Is it domestic abuse, uh, oppression of the poor? Is it the divorce rate? Is it prostitution? Is it pornography where women are being raped? I mean, so where – I mean, it just – and. if someone disagrees with me on that, obviously, I'm not going to break fellowship. I don't hate them. But I think most of the arguments I hear are, well, you're supposed to do this or, well, how can you, that's not what I mean. Well, how can you hate freedom versus, um it says to love my neighbor. It says to seek the well-being of all, you know, flourishing. I want to see cities do good and and be a blessing in there. And uh that people are made in the mago day. But if you notice it, it's, that's for all people. Even the nation, my nation hates. Um, Even the people who don't look like me. I want to see my neighbor flourish. And when you ask who's my neighbor, well, whoever has a pulse is my neighbor. Um, so that means, yeah, I want Americans to flourish because they're made in the image of God, not just because they're Americans. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having a fondness for where you live. Cause those are people you're in community with, you know them the most, you see them. But when I say, you know, what, I want Putin to uh, repent and see God. I want to see him flourish. And I want um, uh, ISIS to repent and uh, see reconciliation. I want, I want all the socialist countries to uh, see God. And I just don't feel comfortable saying uh, on my life, I will give my loyalty to this country and having to make all these exceptions. Well, unless I do, well, unless it was this, well, and I usually hear American answers. And here's the thing. I don't see it in church history with the fathers and I don't see it in the new Testament. I see, I, I just see the opposite of it. And it's not that I hate this nation, which it's funny because I've had family members fight in multiple wars. Um, it's, I have an allegiance to God and I don't even want ounce of that to purposely be devoted to something else or or start going, well, if America hates that group, so do I, I know I want to see all of them flourish. And, and I just don't with depravity, it's odd to me that we go, well, our nation, like we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. Well, depravity says we're all the bad guys. There may be practical situations where you go, well, they're directly doing something evil. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't subscribe to it. And I would let my son follow his conviction, I think, but I also would be very strong to encourage him to dive into it. Cause having, you know what the funny thing is? And I read this. They don't even do this in Russia. Russia, they don't make you take a loyalty oath every day at school. Uh, and we see them as the enemy. And yet we every day go, I, every day hand on my heart i pledge my life to america you know the same america that had the trail of tears so and and it's great i support the ideals america is based on and the ethics but in practice um i don't see it as this perfect nation the only true allegiance i give is to jesus so i'm going by that
0: Hmm, compelling (laughs) don't look at me like that i would say this this flag that we're pledging allegiance to these colors don't run this has always been the same amount of stars, same amount of stripes. It'll never change. It never has changed. It had, it changed. had a
1: different number of stars in the beginning. No.
0: <laughs> for 2,000 years now, ever since George Washington crossed the Red Sea, this country has been the Christendom, the replacement for the Jews that the world needed. See,
1: I tried to be charitable, <laughs> and you're just being a snarky little I Mary know. Sue. I'm being a
0: jerk. Here's what I... <laughs> here's how I feel you know about what? You're
1: it. You're a real patoot.
0: You know... Sorry to say. You know... You know, me and...
1: Oh, I know.
0: Me and America, we have a funny relationship. It's okay. It's okay when I do it, but other
1: You can don't. value America without worshiping.
0: Yeah, so I would say this. Mm. I do feel very mm. privileged to live in America. We are. I think that I have not just white privilege... But I also just have Here a national go. privilege where I get to say things like this and joke about my country and even say bad things about my dictator or president or whatever you would call it. Um, I can abstain from voting.
1: Yes, you can. That's Not everybody fine. has
0: the ability to abstain from voting, but I can legally. Um And there's a lot of privilege. So I whoever I owe that uh, privilege God. to God. Yeah. If God has given me the ability uh, to be in a nation that's so privileged, I do appreciate that. And I don't want to take that lightly. And I, I know that sounds like I'm being snarky, but I'm serious. I wouldn't take that lightly. I Chris do like didn't take
1: anything lightly.
0: <laughs> I do like the fact that I can be critical yeah, of it. That's true. But that, that, that that's, being said that's your favorite part about America <laughs> is that you can hate America. That being said, I, if I could honestly say this, I feel like there are some things that could be better. And if they would just listen to me and change just a couple of things, I, th- I honestly think things would improve even more. But I have no power over that. But here's, here's the main thing that I don't understand. When, so, uh, first Peter two, I think says, talks about being subject to every. Yeah, I don't like that every human institution. But here's the thing. It doesn't say be subject to the institutions that you're in the locality of. It says be subject to every human institution. And the whole point is the hard around. It. You're showing to your neighbor how you are being subject out of freedom because it goes on to say, I don't know what it says. It says something like live as free people. Right. But giving up your freedom for the sake of your brother. And so it talks about freedom. And I would honestly say, as great as this country is, as much freedom as we have, as much freedom was purchased by soldiers shedding their blood and the fact that freedom isn't free and all of these things.
1: Cost a buck or five.
0: Uh, there's still a very sinister lack of freedom in the United States of America, especially when you consider it, um, when you consider it in the fallen world before anybody knows true freedom. like we know true freedom now in christ but we will know true freedom even more when we're apart from sin and the fact that we aren't and the fact that you the united states of america or any other great country what's the best country besides america what's a good one i heard the netherlands is cool because you uh, can do anything I canada canada yeah. is pretty good I mean, they just legalized Ir- the weed.
1: ireland abortion is that a thing i don't know uh, uh,
0: i don't think it worked very well but they say it doesn't matter Whatever nation is on this planet, we are subject to every human institution, but we still don't know true freedom until we are liberated from sin.
1: I heard Texas is a great country. That's a... <laughs> no, I, but what you're saying, that's the key part. I am subject to authorities and I will try to be obedient to the law as much yes. as is possible. It doesn't say I have to swear an oath of allegiance right. with my heart. And, and I think New Zealand's do, uh, dope, right? Like, that was where they filmed Lord of the Rings. That's yeah. a cool place. I mean, uh, they're, they're cool. Some of those icy countries, the weird white people, like, I, I guess. I mean, um, Norway.
0: We got a lot of listeners from Norway. They
1: got a lot of books there? It's pretty I socialized. Got, uh,
0: I think their tax rate is like 45%. There,
1: There was a guy, mm. Tim Keller, talks about in that article where. He goes to meet these Scottish reform guys. It's like, Oh brothers. And they agree on everything doctrinally, but then he finds out uh, they were mainly socialists and he goes, do I break fellowship with them now? So it's like, yes. oh, no. and, and I'm okay with, here's the thing. Usually I'm okay with people disagreeing with me on this. They're not usually okay with me, dis- with me disagreeing with them. Hmm. I've noticed that. Like I go, Hey, if you don't agree, that's fine. They go, well, I don't think it's fine. Why do you think this? And blah 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 blah. And I have to have this whole argument where I go, No, I, I don't feel like having this huge argument justifying defending myself, especially when you brought no verses to a table or historical evidence. It just I don't know. I the point is it's just Sean ruined this. He just had to at the end. No, it was good. Give I a think kicking the balls.
0: I think it was good because uh we had like seven listeners left.
1: <laughs> Down to two.
0: Down to two. <laughs> Just the Norwegian ones that are Well like, they don't know what yeah. we're saying. <laughs> Take <laughs> so, your flag and burn it. Yeah.
1: Is that how they <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of. I have that's a that's Norwegian, Canadian. but I don't I can't say. I
1: can't Does do he live it well. in a cave? No. Wait, what? <laughs> burn down crosses and mm, black and metal. Black metal. I'm just thinking of He black. loves uh loves beer. Is it the guy I met? At yeah, that? Oh at well a... he's oh, well now I feel
0: rude. Because Shout out to Guna.
1: Yeah, he's from a cool Norway. Dude. Have
0: you guys seen that show Norseman?
1: Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> Very funny. historically accurate.
0: Um, all right, we should wrap it up. So,
1: do you want to make that the question for the tickets? What you Is that it or are we going to make the yeah. gonna put on the post? I'm going to
0: do another one. Yeah. We'll we'll okay. make this work. It'll be good. And you going to actually so,
1: post on Facebook or will it be me?
0: We will. I'll do it and nobody'll see it and then you'll share it I'll and then a week it. later people will look at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Chad and Zoe. Chad's an excellent man that I know that was in town. And his dog, Zoe, has been through many adventures. And he said he would sponsor us if I said that. So I'm going to hold him to it.
1: Okay. Cool deal.
0: And also, uh if you haven't noticed by now, we're giving away Striper tickets. Yes. And here is the clue. First five people to email or no, sorry. First three people yes. to email us and tell us. What Mike's favorite hockey team is, Mm -hmm. and also a colloquial colloquial
1: colloquial colloquial
0: word colloquialism, a colloquialism, colloquialism, colloquialism from that area. So email us Mike's favorite team and a colloquialism from that area, and we will reward you with a ticket to Striper.
1: and And a plus one. We're not lying. This is not a joke
0: oh yeah and it's in Reno Nevada on November 11th so if you live in Norway I'm sorry unless you want to travel
1: sorry Sven <laughs> it, it's
0: worth it's worth it it's yeah. worth traveling and if you live in Norway and uh, you can't make it but you still win we'll give you a CD or something we
1: love else. you socialist weird white people Yeah, you know, these colors don't run but
0: you want to close it out final yeah. thoughts with Mike
1: <sighs> I have nothing Mike you want to drag this on even more what are you nope. doing nope okay I
2: say we kill it now yeah Destroy it.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've already, I'm going to get messages about this from the union. Zip it up. Oh, wait, wait. Send emails to talesfromaditch at gmail.com. I will read them when I feel like it. Zip it up. You say zip it out. Zip it out. Zip it out. So climactic. (laughs)